It is good to be here with you today, family. We're excited. We've got an adventure ahead of us. We're going to talk about it today. If you're new, I'm Dan. I'm the lead pastor here. If this is your first day, you picked like the perfect time to begin a journey with us as a church. Tonight, we're going to be back here from 6 to 7 to kick off a 90-day spiritual adventure. It's called Adventum, which in Latin means adventure or arrival. Tonight, we're going to actually pass out and walk through some of the guides that we have that everybody's going to get. Uh, We're also going to spend some time in Adventum groups. These groups were specifically formed just for these 90 days for us to encourage and to walk through the journey with one another. Most of you are in these groups. If you're not, just come tonight. We'll throw you in a group. So it's going to be an exciting and very important season ahead, and I want to shoot very straight with you. These next 90 days, there's not going to be a lot of attempts to impress. There's not going to be a lot of bells and whistles. We're going to be very direct because we got a longing in our hearts, a longing to see the gospel breathe in and breathe out of our lives, something that I believe that is just seldom fully realized in this world that we live in, to be led by God's Spirit, to be fully surrendered with, to Him. For my life, I want that. I want that more and more. I want His glory to just take over my life. I want that for you as well. I won't settle for anything less. I'm approaching now my 30th year in ministry. That makes me old, okay? 30 years, started in college. I don't have a lot of time left. That's what it feels like. Time moves so fast. You don't have a lot of time left. Every moment counts. Every moment for him counts. Tonight, we're going to have a chance to begin what I believe is a season to return to the Lord. It's a time of renewal. It's a time to get back to where we're supposed to be, the roots of what Jesus has called to for us to live kingdom life. So as we're about to begin this season, I'm going to just invite you to close your eyes right now, and we're going to pray. We're going to go to the source, the one who has power, the one who's all-knowing, our great God. Let's pray. God, we fall before you wanting to be fully yours, wanting to see your glory grow exponentially in our lives, wanting to live our lives with purpose and with meaning, to live the lives that you've called us to live, to be fully surrendered to your purposes and your ways, to live life with you, to live life with each other. God, you have set it on our hearts, the hearts of of myself, the hearts of our leadership, that this is a return. This is a, a time to embrace and come back to who you are and to live life with you. And we ask that you go before us because you tell us in your word that you are the one who strengthens us within to live out what you've called us to be and to find our position God, we're excited to see what you're going to do in and through this. And we know you are the one who does the work. We surrender to it today. And everybody said, amen. All right. 
football's in the air, right? It's the beginning of football season. One of my favorite sports moments was with my kid, with one of my kids when he was younger, Kai. This is him in first grade. It was optimist football. To be honest, neither of my boys were into football. They were all about basketball, but we explored along the way. Football was part of that journey. First grade, okay, was tackle, tackle football. I don't know what it is today, but it was tackle at the time. Now, you got to understand that in first grade, it took most of our energy just to get Kai to pay attention to what was happening on the field. You see, there were other things that were, were vying for his attention. He was easily distracted. And so while the plays were going on, it was not uncommon for him to be picking dandelions or staring off into space, just, I think, contemplating life, perhaps, or, or living out some kind of superhero adventure. And, and I'd, I'd see it, and I'd yell, Kai, 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 the game! Look at the game! Get in the game! Tackle, Kai, tackle! And sometimes my yelling worked. Other times, that butterfly was just too tempting to look at. Be Kai, come on, look! And so I was caught between this, this wanting him to engage and understand that he was a part of something bigger, a part of a team, I was caught between that and just kind of <laughs> honestly laughing and just loving who he was at that time. Picking dandelions on the field while the play is going on. But one game, late in the season, something happened. It was a moment we still talk about to this day. It was late in the game. Kai was on defense, as usual. I think offense was out of the question at this point. He was slightly engaged with what was going on, and a play started, and Kai began blocking his men. Yes. He's blocking. Okay. The running back from the other team comes through the line and the football pops out. And there it is. It's on the ground. The football is on the ground. And it's like time stopped. And everything turned into slow motion. And Kai saw, he saw that the ball had popped out. And I'm yelling at the top of my lungs, Kai! Kai! This is slow motion. Kai! The ball! And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a light goes off in his head. And, and, and Kai, he, he's seen the ball. And, and he, something happens. He re, Kai realizes that he's been put in a position. He's got an opportunity right there before him. And something clicks, and he moves toward the football. This is unprecedented, okay? He moves toward the football. And he picks up the football, and he starts running. And it's all in slow motion, right? And he's running down the field, and he's running in the right direction. I mean, this is major victory. And the other team, realizing what's happened, they began to chase after him, but he's too far ahead. And I'm practically running down the sidelines. At least that's how I remember it. It's become a movie now. With tears in my eyes, screaming, Kai, run, run. And they're chasing him down. They're getting closer to him. But he makes it all the way into the end zone, and he scores. Victory. He did it, and he's got a huge smile on his face. And it's a moment we still talk about to this day. In fact, I asked Kai about it recently, and he said, yeah, you picked me up on your shoulders after the game. It was a memorable thing in a season that was honestly pretty unforgettable. They were terrible, the team was. But anyway, I tell you that story this morning to ask you a question because God 
has placed you in a position. He's put you in a grand adventure. Do you see the position that he's put you in? Do you see the opportunities that he's placed before you in your path? Do do you realize the potential that you have as a child of the king? Sometimes that's hard to see when we're not pointed in the right direction. But are we engaged with him in pursuit of living out that position? Or are we in the field picking dandelions, distracted, just doing our thing, living our own life, pointed in a different direction? Maybe you've had a recent shift in the position that God has put you in. That happens. Perhaps some new opportunities have come your way that you maybe even weren't expecting, a new mission before you. Every one of us has been put in a position. Maybe you've become new parents recently, and you now are put in this new position to raise a child, and maybe to engage with other parents who are doing the same. Maybe you're just out of high school or college, and God's given you a unique position right now to to just invest significantly in the kingdom in a way that you may not have in your life. And that's happening here, by the way. On Wednesday nights, there are people who come and serve with our teenagers. They they don't stay home. They're not watching Netflix. They're not wasting their time. They're invested in God's kingdom. Maybe God has dropped a relationship right into your lap. Maybe you're not even seeing it but someone, it's someone who doesn't know him and someone that you could, you could reach out to. Maybe God has elevated you to a new role of influence at work in a position that could bear a lot of fruit for his kingdom. Maybe work's been taken away. Maybe you find yourself in a new position with different opportunities to trust and maybe to encourage others. Two weeks ago, Laura and I actually dropped off Kai to college. The house is quiet. It is so quiet right now. We don't like it. The dog doesn't like it because he gets 100% of our attention all the time, pouring everything into him. I don't like it. I have no one to blame things on anymore. If the toilet seat is up, it's me. If the dishes are left out, it's me. But we're in a big life change now for us and a a potential repositioning of our lives. And we're asking questions, God, in this new position that you have us in, which we've not been in for a long time, what would you have for us? What new opportunities are you putting in our path right now to enter into where you're working? We're seeing new opportunities, opportunities to invest in even people who are younger along in the journey. I'll tell you, the change is hard. It's not easy, but it's exciting, and there's opportunity in it. There are those of you in this room that are in a similar place, maybe even beyond where we are, where God has given you an opportunity, again, to significantly invest in his kingdom without kids in the house, perhaps. How about you? What place does God have you in? Do you see yourself in a position? We're going to come back to that. God has this way of relentlessly pursuing us. 
and directing us to live out the gospel where we've been positioned in life. Sometimes he does it in drastic ways. Today, we're going to look at someone who was put in a new position with tremendous opportunity, tremendous potential. So turn with me, if you've got your Bibles, to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians is in the New Testament. We are post the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, A little background, okay? There's a man, Saul, in the Bible, who was a devout Jew, one who had been raised as a Jew and had been around God's stuff his entire life. You see, God had revealed himself early on in the story to the Jewish people. He walked alongside them. He was their God. They were his people. They were the in ones. They were chosen to to carry the word, carry the message, carry the Messiah. And after Jesus died, rose again, returned to the Father, it was Saul, this man Saul, who, who spent time persecuting Christ's followers. He was persecuting those, those Jews who had chosen to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And Saul hunted them down. He did not understand. Saul didn't understand that the very God he was serving sent Jesus through the line of his own people to save the world. But God had a plan for Saul. And he had a new name for Saul as well. So so this man Saul has this dramatic encounter. Most of us have heard about it on a road where he encounters the risen Jesus and that event turns his life around, and God gives Paul, Saul, a new name, Paul, and God prepared Paul and put him in a new position with an incredible opportunity. His mission was to bring the gospel of Jesus to those outside the Jewish faith, to the Gentiles. And Paul writes here in Ephesians 3 to a group of these Christ followers, and he, he writes about this mission and this position that God has given him. This, I'm going to read this. this is, I'm going to read from the message here because I want to uh, give you just kind of a background before we get into the main text. And this is what Paul writes to those believers. He says, As you read over what I have written to you, you'll be able to see for yourselves into the mystery of Christ. None of our ancestors understood this, Jewish ancestors. Only in our time has it been made clear by God's Spirit through his holy apostles and prophets of this new order. And this is the mystery. Listen to this. The mystery is that people who have never heard of God all their lives, what I've been calling, I'm sorry, people who have never heard of God and those who have heard of him all their lives, two groups there, what I've been calling outsiders, Gentiles, and insiders, Jews, stand on the same ground before God. They get the same offer. They get the same help. They get the same promises in Christ. The message, the gospel is accessible and welcoming to everyone across the board. And Paul says in verse seven, this is my life's work, helping people understand and respond to this message. It came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. Oh, you bet it did. A real surprise. God handling all the details. When it came, Paul says, when it came to presenting the message, the gospel, to people who had no background in God's ways, Gentiles, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. God saw to it, though I was equipped, but you can be sure that it had nothing to do 
with my natural abilities. And so here I am preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. The inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. My task, my position is to bring out in the open and make plain what God who created all this in the first place has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. That through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, church in Ephesus, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. All this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. Wow. A new position, a new mission has been given to Paul to share that secret plan of God to the outsiders. He's given this assignment, this opportunity, and he embraces it. And he sees the potential in what God is doing. Now, Paul was not promised outcomes, right? He was given this position. In fact, that position landed him in prison. And you think about this, Paul's active, active response to the gospel resulted in you and I sitting here today. We are part of the fruit from Paul responding. If Paul had chosen to pick dandelions or ignore the call of God, what then? Well, let's continue in Ephesians 3. We're going to switch over to the, to the ESV version here because after Paul, after Paul explains his positioning to the church in Ephesus, after he explains the mission that he's been given, he goes through with them a path to living out the position. How do we live out the position that God has put us in? So listen to this, Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this reason, because of the position that we've been given, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him, to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now there's a lot in here, but we cannot miss any of it. When Paul realized the great position that God had put him in and that God had put the church in Ephesus in, Paul did not look to strategies first. He did not uh, follow how to grow your church business models. He did not follow church marketing campaigns or advertising agencies. What Paul did was this. He hit his knees and he prayed and he prayed for the church. Because Paul knew where to go to see one's position lived out. You go right to the source, to the one who has power. Verse 15 says it. It's God 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He is the all-knowing one. He is the omnipotent one. He is the all-powerful one. If the power's off at your house, what do you do? You go to the source, right? You go to the electric company. My power's out. Fix it. The water's off. You do the same thing. You go to the water company. If you want to live out the position that God has called you to, you don't look to yourself. You get on your knees and you pray. Discovering and living out our position starts with us getting on our knees and praying. Tonight, we're going to have the chance to be together to, to start an amazing journey together. And we, we've put this together. I think it's a fantastic tool. But I'll be honest, it's a tool. It's nothing without the source. That's why this has emerged out of prayer. It's emerged out of us going to the source. We've surrounded it with prayer. Because if we think that anything can happen in our own individual lives or in the collective lives of us as a body without the source, we're wasting our time. So we pray and we pray. And Paul prays for this small group of believers in Ephesus. Now, what does he pray? Does he pray for strategy? Does he pray for results? Does he pray for money or for resources? Or does he pray that it would all go safe and easy? No, none of that. What Paul prays for is at the heart of how God moves to accomplish his purposes. Paul prays for inner strength that comes from God's spirit himself. Listen to that again. Please listen. What Paul prays for is at the heart of how God moves to accomplish his purposes. Paul prays for inner strength that comes from God's spirit himself. It's what he says in verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul is saying, God, we know you're the source because of who you are. Would you do this by your spirit? Would you equip our hearts so that we can live out the position you have us in? And here's the goal of that inner strength, why we want to develop that. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you be rooted, that you be grounded in his love. Paul asks for like, <laughs> he asks for Christ's dwelling in our lives. That Christ would, would make his home in our hearts, that he would take up residence. This dwelling isn't just a single occurrence. It's not a, a prayer thrown out here or there. It's a living life with God, that's the foundation. Living out the position that God has you in cannot happen without that foundation. It becomes a false construct. It's like power generated through the wrong source. It's like having a power supply and not having the correct voltage to be able to, to use. Jesus Christ in you, dwelling with you, trusting by faith. 
living in the love of God. You see, love is a grounding. It's love that gives us our identity in him. It's love that gives us our, our, our resolve to move forward because we know he loves us. Verse 17 says, being rooted and grounded in love, you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Paul prays that they'll have another level of the understanding of Christ's love, another level of being. He asks for a kind of experience of love that goes beyond just knowing, right? We know, we know most of us the word of God. We know that God loves, but this is something that goes beyond that. It's, it's experiential, it's spirit infused. And when one lives in that love, when one finds their identity there, all the fullness of God, the completeness the filling happens. I want to live there. I want to live there. Fully charged, activated. We're not perfect, okay? This isn't about being perfect. We're fully charged. We're activated to live out our position. Notice, this is not something that's focused on results. It's not a get results quickly scheme. There aren't shortcuts. The focus can't be on results. It's it's prayer. It's radical dependence on God. It's living. It's feeding of him and his love. It's what we call around here being. Before we do, we've got to be. We've got to be with him. It's how the light switch is turned on. It's how we're charged. It's how we're activated. It's how impact goes on. And when it happens, watch out. Prayer, inner strength, Christ, identity, the fullness of God. And Paul goes on to say, now to him, because he's going to direct everything to God here, the source, to him who's able to get the results, to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to his power, the power, his power, within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And the church, get this, the church, not the building, right? So we got to get that out of our head. It's not about a building. It's the church. It's you and I who are activated by God's spirit living out his fullness. That is how God accomplishes his kingdom work. That's how you, in your position, make impact. Let's talk about position for a little bit. In God's beautiful word, the revelation that he's given to us, inspired word of God, he gives us a picture of positioning. Because we see people like ourselves here, People just like you and I in the Bible placed in positions and we see some recurring themes that happen in those people's lives. First, people did not choose to be placed. 
It wasn't typically orchestrated or planned out by the individual. It wasn't scripted. In fact, there were times that people said, I'm going to go here, and God said, oh, no. No, you're going to go this way. The positioning just happened. You didn't see it happen typically based on performance or ability or skill. Look at Moses. He could barely speak, was scared to death. Can't do it. Oftentimes, this is so true, people struggled with the position that they were put in. What? Me? Go do that? I can't do that. God says, you're right. It's my power at work within you. So the positioning just, ha- just happened. What you do see in the Bible as far as placement is this. One, the position that was given was unique. Two, the position came with a huge cost and a huge sacrifice. Almost always, huge cost, huge sacrifice. Think about it. People like Daniel, uniquely placed in a position, almost died. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uniquely placed at the edge of death. Esther, uniquely positioned to save her people. She could have died. One, just one decision could have ended her life. John the Baptist, uniquely placed to prepare people for the Messiah. He ended up eventually being killed. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Oh my gosh, what a position she was put in to carry the Messiah. But she was told right from the beginning when she was chosen that a sword would pierce her soul. The disciples had to drink cups of suffering. Jesus suffered. Paul spent most of his ministry suffering in some way. And all these people, except Jesus, all right, were just like people like you and I that were uniquely placed in a position, but that position came with a huge cost. Wednesday, Wednesday is the 18th anniversary of 9-11. If you were alive at that time and you were old enough, you, you know exactly where you were when you found out that, right? And the, it, I mean, that day will, will never be forgotten. And one of the names that we've, we remember from that time is Todd Beamer. You've probably heard that name. He was on United Airlines Flight 93. He was one of the passengers who attempted to regain control of the aircraft from the hijackers. And Todd was put in a position. And he used that position to try and save people's lives. We know that that plane went down in a field in Pennsylvania. No one made it out, though the plane didn't make its target. I went to college with Todd and his wife, Lisa, who was on the plane, who was not on the plane. Sorry, Lisa was not on the plane. But they're devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And out of that positioning, out of that tragedy, God used that family to bring healing to our nation and to shine the light on the gospel of Jesus Christ to people all over the world. Normal people positioned. Positioning is unique, but it comes with a great cost. And if you discover and you engage with where God has you, 
you can expect that there are going to be attacks coming from every direction when you live out the position that God has put you in. There's going to be attacks from the enemy. We read that in Ephesians 6. There's going to be attacks from the outside. There's going to be attacks from the inside, even from people who are close to you, even from your own self, questioning whether God put you in a position, having to deal with suffering in the position. You've got a unique position that God has put you in. Do you know what it is? We, as the collective followers of Christ, we've got a position, a unique position. We're about to enter a new decade in January, and God has placed us here, this body, in Hilliard, Ohio to make impact for his kingdom. And we are, this is a unique time. It's a unique season. We live in a time where people, I want to say it, have abandoned life with God. There may be attempts to acknowledge God, but people have essentially abandoned life with God. And people live in isolation from each other. We're connected, but we're not connected. I believe because of those things, we live in a time where people are gripped with Depression, anxiety, a lack of of reason to live, a lack of purpose. And we live in a time where people escape all of this just by, by choosing ways to numb themselves to get through the day. And God has put us here, Life Community Church, as a light to this community to say, no, no, in him there's purpose. There's a reason to keep living. There's a reason to live with each other. There's there's hope found. There's strength found in him and in living life together. Come, find your position. Live for something that goes beyond today. Individually, collectively, God has positioned us. And I think he's saying, like I said to Kai long ago, church, Come on, follow me, pursue me, get in the game. Don't pick dandelions on the side. Pursue me. Pray for inner strength that comes from my spirit. Pray for dwelling. Pray for your identity to be rooted and grounded in me. Pray for the fullness of God. Are we pointed in the right direction? Are we picking dandelions? Are we, or are we a re- realizing our amazing position that God has given us? Because time is going fast. It's taken away. Every moment counts. And there, there is, I'll say it, there's just a real battle going on for the souls of the people around us. If you don't feel that, if you don't see it, I don't think you're pointed in the right direction. But God does not call us. He does not call us to look to ourselves for this battle. He does not ask us to focus on the battle. What he does is he invites us to, to radical preparation and readiness that comes out of life with him. 
out of the fullness of God. You see it in, in many of the people you see in the Bible who, who God had called to a position. They had this time of preparation, this time to get ready. Jesus had it 30 years, right? And then an intense 40 days before he started his mission. Paul spent years preparing for his position. Moses spent a long time, a long time before his position. Joseph had to endure some really hard things in and through the position God had him. And God calls us to prepare. He gives us elements of preparation. Ephesians 6 talks about these. It talks about them in, in, the, use, in the illustration of armor. We've been given the armor of God to pursue in our lives. Truth, righteousness, peace, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. And God tells us, live life with me. Let the fullness of God and pursue, sharpen your skills. Adventum, which we're going to kick off tonight. I believe sometimes we need a tool. Adventum, in some ways, closely mirrors Ephesians 6. When it talks about our hearts, it talks about our witness. It talks about how we are supposed to live life in community. It talks about our hand and what we're supposed to do with what he's given us. It talks about our world. So there's going to be exercises throughout these 90 days. Sometimes... They're going to be active exercises. Sometimes they're going to require some energy. It might even be uncomfortable. Tonight, we're going to gather here from 6 to 7. We encourage you to come early if you can. Even if you want to come at 5.30, we check people in. It'll go faster. We're going to worship. We're going to get our guides here. We're going to meet in our groups and then pray. And then, of course, have ice cream. Got to have ice cream. Tonight, you have been presented with an opportunity, an on-ramp to come with us, to together as a church, for us to pursue what it means to be renewed, to begin to discover again the purpose, to point in the right direction, to learn the position that God has us in. Maybe you've given up on that. Maybe you're numbing right now. Maybe pain has kept you away. Maybe you're so cynical right now of this. What? Maybe you won't even think about renewal. Maybe you're dead inside. Maybe you can't imagine life returning to you. I tell you, it can, but it will not happen without a step and without us going to the source. And you may say, I will never, I'll never be a Paul I'll never be a, a Daniel or an Esther. I can pretty much assure you none of them thought that they would be that. I'm sure Todd Beamer didn't think of his positioning, nor did his wife Lisa. But they were given that. In Christ we can. And when a group of believers make a choice together, watch out, watch out. I want to read to you, to close today, I want to read to you, um, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Thessalonica, and I want to read to you just a little bit of the opening part of that letter, because I think it, it kind of addresses like, like our 
thinking as far as our positioning, right? That we think we've got to have this big, huge position like Paul. And what this, this, this opening part of, of this chapter talks about is what it means to, to be with God and what can emerge in a group of people when they make a choice together to live for his kingdom. So I want you to close your eyes. And I want to read to you what Paul wrote to that struggling church in Thessalonica. Listen to this. Close your eyes. Every time we think of you, we thank God for you. Day and night you're in our prayers as we call to mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in following our master, Jesus Christ. It is clear to us, friends, that God not only loves you very much, but has also put his hand on you for something special. When the message we preached came to you, it wasn't just words. Something happened in you. The Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. You paid careful attention to the way we lived among you, and you determined to live that way yourselves. In imitating us, you imitated the master Do you know that all over the provinces of both Macedonia and Achaia, believers look up to you. The word has gotten around. Your lives are echoing the master's word, not only in the provinces, but all over the world. The news of your faith is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You're the message. People come and tell us how you deserted the dead idols of your old life so you can embrace and serve God, the true God. They marvel at how expectantly you await the arrival of his son, Jesus, who rescued us from certain doom. Church, the impact from just being and choosing to live life with God This is who I want to be. And tonight, we're going to start the preparation to begin to develop, ask God for that inner strength. Let's pray. God, we come to you and we praise you. We lift you up. We give you all the glory because you are the one who is able to do far more abundantly than what we ask, or even what we can imagine. God, if it takes something 